Welcome to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app for both iOS and Android devices by searching for The Church at Bushland. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know by emailing us at media at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. So last week I jumped into uh, the fall series called Experiencing God. And I did kind of the intro last week. Going to jump in the reality number one today. Um, Like I did last week, and I probably will do each of our weeks, uh, the questions off of this um, lesson are back at the Guest Connect table. I made several copies. There's about 40 or so back there. Just take those. If you're a host home or a leader, take those. Even if you're just in the group, if you want to grab one for your group, that's fine. You can make as many copies as you want for that night or whatever. Here's what I need you to understand about this fall and about this series. I am trying, as as great as our teachers are, I'm trying to eliminate them this fall. Because I want our life groups, the church, to talk. I want us to experience God together. And I want your experience with God and someone else's experience that they're having with God to be shared so that we all can gleam how great is our God. Because every one of us in this room has a story, and God's writing it. And you know what? It's a good story, and somebody ought to know about it. And if the church is not going to know about it, and if you're not going to tell it in church, where in the heck are you going to tell it? So life groups have fun bragging on Jesus this fall. All right? So reality number one is simply this, God's work, God's work. I want you to pop that slide up, guys. Uh, you quicker this service, good job. See, practice makes perfect, man. We could do this a couple more times, y'all have it down. All right, so you need to know this right here. This chart right here uh, comes out of that book, Experiencing God. This, This diagram, these seven steps, these seven realities of experiencing God, they are all about Moses' life. They're all about Scripture, but they have not changed. Every one of these steps is what we go to today, each one of them. And we're going to walk our way all the way through all seven of those. I have built in eight to get through it because one of these seven, they're going to get two weeks. But I don't know which one yet. The Holy Spirit will determine that. And one Sunday you're going to get A, and the next Sunday you're going to get B, and you don't know it, and I don't know it. Okay? So so get ready. You're going to know this by heart. And that way when when we're done and God begins to do his thing, you, you can find yourself in one of these seven. And you know what you can do? You can do what Moses did. You can walk right through them. All right? Because we want to experience God. And the only way to experience God is to experience God. All right? It's not a trick question, okay? We got to experience God. And the only way to experience God is do God. It's to do Him. All right? 
So God's work. Here's what you got to get. God is always at work around me. You got to believe that. Some of you right now are going, no, he's not. Oh, yeah, he is. God is always at work around me. That is the, I mean, you've got to get that. Because if you think for a second that he stopped working and he's not working, that's so sad. Because the scripture says that even while we sleep, he's working. You say, well, does God get tired? Oh, no. God doesn't get tired. God's having a blast. God didn't create the world and then abandon it to function on its own. He's been actively involved in human affairs throughout history. In fact, you could say he's orchestrating history. And he is. So why is he doing it? Simply this. God is working in his world to bring about redemption and restore relationship. All God's trying to do is restore the world to himself. He's redeeming the world. That's all he's about. It's all he's about. The Father is working through Christ to reconcile the world to himself. In God's sovereignty, he chooses to accomplish his work through his people. That's crazy. Here's the God working through his people to accomplish that. There's been many times in my life, and you may have had this thought, God, if you could have just made us robots, programmed us to drive like we got a brain, be nice, be sweet, do nice things, quit being mean, if we could just program the world, then God's world would move so much better. Coulter would be better. Oh, Lord, help. Sansi would be better. You know what I mean? But listen to me. Yeah, it would. Yeah, it would. Tomorrow morning, you're going to be saying, where's them robots? But it would. But here's what's cool. All the spontaneity, all the God moments, all the all moments that God does through people wouldn't be there. If God programmed a bunch of robots, it wouldn't be any fun. Oh, it might be nicer to drive on Sansi, but it wouldn't be much fun. Because all the God moments, all the things God sets up, all the things that God does behind the scene that we see, that he uses us to do, that he accomplishes through us to redeem the world to him, we could see it. We wouldn't even be needed. We'd just, we'd just be little robots. See, as God carries out his mission, he seeks to move people into the mainstream of his activity. And you got to hear that again because you're going to see it in Scripture in just a second. As God carries out his mission, not, not, not our mission, Mm-mm. his mission. He is trying to get his people 
into the mainstream of his activity. That's all he's trying to do. Because God's got a will, God's got a plan, and God's redeeming the world. And he wants you to get involved in it. He does. He wants to use you to get in on what God's doing. And you've got to understand that God is always working around you. He is setting you up. He's setting people up. He's making divine appointments. He's putting you even in disappointment that you think is a terrible, bad plan. It's the greatest plan you've ever seen. Even when you think that he dealt you jokers, he really gave you aces. You just got a messed up vision. You can't see it. God is doing his thing. And out of the craziness of the things that God does, he wants to use you and me to do it. That's just funny, man. It's funny. It's fun, but funny. Here's some scripture. Psalm 139. We know it well. Verse 16 says this. All the days. Hmm. We'd like to debate this, but all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. All the days. There's not a place that your feet don't land on this dirt ball that he hasn't ordained. Not one. Not one. Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. It is God that works. It is God that wills. It is God that's moving us, not for our purpose, but for his. Not, for, not, not to make us happy. Oh, God made me happy. Can I tell you something? He's not about your happiness. He's about your character. Sometimes you're going to have to trade your cotton candy in for a belt, but you'll like it better. <laughs> God's about your character, not your happiness. That's a tough word in America. Because we think, because we got hats in America, we're supposed to be happy. American dream. No, it's his dream. His dream in America. His dream for America you, and using me to accomplish his will. Philippians 1.6, being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in me, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Mm, being confident. Have you lost your confidence today? I talk to people all the time. You know what they lost their confidence? They lost their confidence in God. They think that right now it's bad, it's ugly, it's disappointing, it's frustrating, and I don't like where I'm at. And God just forgot me, God fumbled me, God's plan fell apart, God's plan crumbled. No. Oh, no. It did not. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. You got to be confident. That right where you're at, he is doing his thing. He's got you right where he wants you to be. 
what happened to us is we think we got dealt a bad hand, but we really got dealt the best hand. But we took our eyes off the dealer. His name is Jesus. And we started looking at everything through our eyes and not his eyes. And it got perverted and got messed up. Got to step back. Clean your glasses off from all that humidity. Stick them back on. And see it the way God sees it. Exodus chapter 3 is an incredible encounter that we love to talk about because it's flat funny. Exodus chapter 3 is a story of Moses and a burning bush. Moses, Moses just out tending the flock, minding his own business. All of a sudden, this bush starts burning. Just catches on fire, starts burning. Moses like, what the heck? So he goes over to this bush. Why? Well, the problem is the bush is on fire but it's not getting smaller, it's not going down, it's not going out. That causes you to walk over to it. So he walks up to it. That's crazy in and of itself. But now if that wasn't crazy enough, as he walks up to it, the bush talks. Moses, Moses, Moses. What? (laughs) Moses tougher than me. He's braver than me. Number one, I don't know if I'm walking up to it. Number two, if I do walk up to it and a bush that's on fire talks to me, Jeff, 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 Moses says in Scripture, here am I. You know what I'm saying? I'm out of here. That's what I'm saying. I'm out of here. I mean, all the white on my little hiney is gone. That's all you're seeing. Out of here. He says, here am I. And I love this. Moses You need to take them sandals off, brother, because the ground you're standing on is holy ground. Woo. Mm. Never had one in moments. Holy ground. You know you had an encounter with God that, woo, man, is breathtaking. He says you need to remove those sandals because this ground is holy. I want you to pick up in this story so you don't think I made it up. Go to Exodus chapter 3. I apologize because my Bible, to get to Exodus 3, you just got to kind of take out a little piece of the Bible. <laughs> Don't you want your pastor to use this Bible? Okay, I use my Bible, okay? And I've glued it in several times, and this morning it came out again. I'm like, seriously. Right. You got to be real, baby. So, Mo- Moses is in, this is uh, Exodus 3. I want you to look at verse 11. What, look at the, watch this encounter right here. Verse 11. But Moses said to God. So what he's asking him to do is, Moses in these chapters just before that, after he begins to talk to him, he says, here am I. And he says, take off your sandals. He says, I know about my people that are captured in, captured in Egypt. I know they're slaves. I know they're being persecuted. I know they're being, that Pharaoh's being mean to them. You're going to go tell Pharaoh Get back my people. And this is where he picks up. But Moses said to God, who am I? Hmm. I bet there's some folks said that before. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you, and this will be a sign to you. 
And this will be the sign to you that I, that, that is, that I who sent you, when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Verse 13, Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what's his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, we just sang about it. I am who I am. This is what you say to the Israelites. I am has sent you to me. I am sent you to me. There'll be nothing that God doesn't orchestrate in your life and involve you in on that he won't tell you, I am is who set this up. I am is who put, this, put your feet here. I am the reason you're here. And I didn't mess up. And I didn't make a mistake. This is my plan. It's gorgeous. Get in on it. At the time God was about to deliver the children of Israel, the overwhelming concern was his will for Israel, not his will for Moses. You've got to get that. This is not about Moses. I know he gets a lot of attention here because he's the one that talked to a bush that was on fire that didn't burn up that talked back. That should get a lot of attention. But that was not the plan, the big plan. That was an invitation to join the big plan that was in motion. And that was to redeem his people. God was at work with Israel. And he was preparing to bring Moses into the mainstream of his activity to redeem his people. That is the story of the burning bush. You see, my friends, God's plan to redeem the world to him is in motion right now. When he dismisses the church in just a little bit, you're going to go out and join that plan. He is actively dismissing the church to be active in his plan. You can choose to go out there and close your eyes to the things that God is doing around you, or you can open your eyes to the things that God's doing around you and jump in. And you'll never have a greater time in your whole entire life when you start doing that. The gentleman that I'm going to talk about is sitting in the room, and I didn't ask his permission, but he loves me. So I'm hoping that's enough. So Mr. Brett Cummings, who is one of my very closest friends and is an elder, found himself in Houston, Texas on a business trip. Bad week to go to Houston. Bad week. It rained here. No. Compared to Houston, it sprinkled here. Water, 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 water. Everywhere. And Houston's just a big old bowl of concrete that doesn't drink a lot of water very fast. Brett needed to get back here Friday, homecoming. His daughter was winning the court. That took God to accomplish. He said, well, God in on, God's, God's in on homecoming. 
Mm, I don't know if God's in on homecoming. Maybe he is. But God is on doing things in the life of his children that they couldn't do on their own. So God used people that Brett Cummings never knew in his whole entire life that should not be where they are at that moment to accomplish God's will for his life. He walks out, I believe it was an airport, when he was told by Uber, there's not a car working in the city. There's nobody out there. There's not an Uber anywhere around the city. There's not even a driver. You can forget that thought, forget about a car. He's not even exist. Okay. Well, you're not God. That's not what Brett said, but you're not God. So Brett walks out, and there's a gentleman standing by a car. Guy says, you don't by any chance need a ride, do you? You don't by any chance be an Uber driver, are you? Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> Let me tell you what that is. God, 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 God. That's not luck. Well, I got lucky today. No, no, no. That was God all the way. All the way through this thing, it took about, what, Brett, day and a half of working through this. Started Thursday, finally got home Friday. Poor Cindy's here connecting dots the best she can, all right? Bottom line is, Brett, in the haste of trying to get out of the hotel, left a bunch of packages and his phone charger. Phone's about to go dead. Not only did he get an Uber ride for 20 bucks, he bought the guy's charger for his phone. See, God just kind of does things. He kind of gives you the driver, but then you don't have a phone charger. So God says, yeah, just in case you won't keep score how good I am, watch this. That dude's going to have the same charger you got. He's going to be willing to sell it to a guy he's never met in his life, and you're going to be willing to have cash when nobody carries cash because that's what it speaks, and, and you're going to be able to buy that. He bought an Uber ride and a phone charger from a dude that wasn't even supposed to be there. Buy Mr. Uber. Oops, it don't exist. Walks out, there he is. God just does stuff like that. See, God is moving this world. He's got a plan, taking care of his kids. He knows where you're at. He says, listen to me. I know everywhere you go, even the darkness is light around you. You can't hide from me. I know your words before you speak them. I know your thoughts before you think them. I got you. I got you. See, somebody needs to be under, somebody needs a little reassurance, a little extra faith breathing into you to say, you know what? Where you think you are that such a mess is not, it's a beautiful thing. And God is writing his story. And you just got to say, God, you write it, I'll sing it. You write it, I'll sing it. Have you ever asked this question? What is God's will for my life? Pretty popular question in the church. What is God's will for my life? You know, for a long time in my life, I thought that was a good question. I've come to realize that's not the best question to ask. This isn't the best question. In fact, it's a bad question. You might ask, why? Sounds like a good question. Sounds very spiritual. It is. But the question, the question, what is God's will for my life, is very selfish. If you think about it. See, when you ask that question, what is God's will for my life? Who gets the attention? I don't think it's God. I think it's me. Me, me, me. Do we need anything else 
in this world chasing us to meet. We, we absolutely are spoiled rotten. Even in your, ba- your worst day you've ever had, you have it so good. This world, this me, 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 it funnels you six days a week to me, 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 me. One day a week to him, 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 him. This whole question, what is God's will for my life, the, the emphasis is my life. Here's a better question. What is God's will and how can I join him? See, that's the same question but totally different. What is God's will? What is God up to? And how can I, little I, join the big him? See, God was about redeeming the Israelites. That was his plan. His decision and his choice was to use Moses to accomplish that. So God's will already took precedence. All Moses had to do is get himself in a position to hear God and respond to God. So God said, I'm going to set that bush on fire. Moses is going to walk up to it. And from that bush, I'm going to speak his name. And he's going to say, here am I. And I'm going to say, take off your sandals. All around us, friends. Mm. All around us. There ought to be a burn ban out there. All around us ought to be a burn ban. Because he is sitting on bushes all the time on fire around us. He is trying to get you to see them, approach them. And he wants to speak to you. And he wants to show you all that he has for you. You see, the way to do God's will is not to ask for your will. Find his will where God is working and jump in. Too often, we want to plan our own lives. Call God in to make it successful. <laughs> but when we're living a God-centered life, we understand that God, God has a better plan and invites us to join that plan. I want you to flip over to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Oh, we know this one. But I wonder if we know it. Before we read this, I want you to simply say, God, give me fresh revelation what I'm about to read. God, give me fresh revelation to what I'm about to read. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts, not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. Mm. We know that scripture, but we still want to help God. We still want to help him. We want to pick our kids' classes. Pick the teacher everybody told us to pick. Get on the right team. 
work in the right department. Mm. What if God's department's better? What if God's teacher's the one for your kid? What if your kid's the one for that teacher? Man. I was a senior in high school. I was a good kid. I was throwing a little white baseball. I was pretty good at it. Played a playoff game in Kilgore, Texas in Driller Stadium. I walked out of it. There was a very large man. He was 6'8". He was waiting on me. Didn't know him. He introduced himself. Said his name was Jim Knipe, and he was the head baseball coach at East Texas Baptist University. I tried to look excited. I was. I said hi. That was about the only encounter we had. He said, great job tonight. I enjoyed watching you play. And that's about it. He went to his vehicle, went to a bus to go back to the school. Three weeks later, our season ended in the playoffs. I had visited with a lot of coaches, been a lot of people in the stands clicking buttons and writing a whole bunch of stuff down about me. I met a whole bunch of people. And I kind of had a plan for my life. I was going to go to Baylor University and play baseball. I wrote it out. I believed God was in on it. I said no to every college I could say no to. My mom tippy-toes down a hall one morning and tells me that uh, that last scholarship that Baylor University had is gone, and you're not getting it, son. Well, an hour later, a phone rang. I could tell my mom was talking to somebody. She said, I'll get him. So I came to the phone and said, this is Jeff. He said, Jeff, this is Jim Knight. Don't know if you remember me. But I met you after a game you played in Kilgore, Texas. I went home, back to the school, went to my office, and I filled out a piece of paper, scholarship, played baseball. I filled out the top half three weeks ago because I knew you were going to play ball for me. He said, if you're interested, I'd like to come to your house tomorrow night and have dinner with your parents and let you sign this piece of paper. I was very interested. I said, yes, sir, I'd love to play for you. I do remember you. Hung up the phone. Lie. I didn't know who he was. I couldn't remember him. I said, Mom, who's Jim tonight? Big guy. Oh, yeah, big guy. I said, where's Marshall, Texas? Uh, I'll get a map. What is East Texas Baptist University? I don't know, but we'll look it up. So we, look, we all look up. I didn't even know where it was. I had, to, I had to know where it was when he came tomorrow night. It's embarrassing. All right? So I signed a baseball scholarship and go play ball. My sophomore year. My parents recently divorced at the beginning of the year. At the end of the year, all through my sophomore year, since the call to ministry, at the end of the season, school was over. I went to my coach. I said, Coach, I feel like God's calling me in the ministry. He said, Good. You keep pressing in on him. So he gets out of his chair. I'm sitting in a bench. He comes over. He kneels down in front of me. He puts his hands on my shoulders. And he says, Look at me. He says, You chase Jesus. He got a plan for you. And he begins to pray over me. And I begin to weep. And I'm not trying to question God's sovereignty at Baylor University. But I'm going to tell you, his plan's better. I played my junior year 
At the end of the season, I come to my coach. I said, Coach, I got to go do what God wants me to do. He said, yes, you do. My next words were going to be this. But I don't know what to do about my last year at school. My parents divorced. I don't have a job. School is expensive. Before I could get it out of my mouth, he said, look at me. Don't you worry about your senior year. I'll sign that piece of paper just like you got that scholarship. I won't take it from you. I said, wow. Fall semester, I register. I go to the registrar's office, still not believing he'd do that. She picks up a phone, calls him. He says something. She hangs up, stamps paid. Spring semester, same thing. Can I just tell you something? God's plan is so much better than your plan. When you don't think that he's doing it, trust him. He's doing it. He's got a plan, and he's doing it. Look at Jeremiah real fast. Jeremiah 29, scripture we love. Use it all the time. Jeremiah 29, 11. It's probably on your house somewhere. Jeremiah 29, 11. We're going to read what Paul Harvey says the rest of the, rest of the story in just a second. 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Greatest words written right here, declares the Lord. Declares who? The Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then our responsibility kicks in. You will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me. And you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. You want to know God's plan? Seek his heart. You seek him, he'll lay out the plan. If you only chase his plan without seeking him, you will mess up his plan because you won't know it. You won't be able to recognize it. You won't even see it. He is doing his plan in your life. Trust God. He's got you right where he wants you. Just like Moses, God is working in you and around you to accomplish his purpose. Not your purpose, his purpose. However, unless God opens your spiritual eyes to recognize what he's doing, you will remain blind to his presence and his work. Many of us find ourselves right where God wants us, but we think it's terrible because we are blind spiritually to see what he wants you to see. If you will ask God to open your spiritual eyes to see that he's got you and he's working his plan and he's got a purpose bigger than your purpose, greater than your, your purpose, and he wants to use you, and it's all about him. It's all about his glory. It's all about him. But we, don't, we say that. We don't believe that. Everything, if you work, and, and, and you never know who walks in your office. You have a job. People just come in. You don't even know who they are. They may have an appointment. They just walk in. There is nobody that has an appointment or walks in that is connected to you 
They didn't come to God. You say, oh, I'd like to give some of them back. No. They're all, they're all, some of you are like, oh, Lord. But, but, but they're all purposed by God because they want to show you something about you and something about him. See, God's got his hand in everything, man, everything. He divinely puts you there, and he divinely trusts you with that encounter. Why? Not for your purpose, for his purpose. It's not a restaurant, not a store, not a traffic jam, not a delayed flight, not an airport seat. Not a doctor, not a dentist, not a neighbor, not a co-worker, not an apartment, nothing, nothing, nothing that God's not working his plan. And if his plan can ever become your plan, you'll start seeing it different than you see it. And it won't be against you. (laughs) It'll be for you. That's what we see all the time. That it's just to make our life miserable. No, it's to make our life sweeter and to maxim- and, and, and glorify him. Open your eyes to what's around you. And see it the way God sees it. Today, you may find yourself blind. But Jesus can help you with your eyesight. He's good at that. He's done that before. He'll take a blind man and cause him to see. If you want to see what God's doing, say, God, show me your plan and show me where I fit. I want to do your will in the midst of your will. My will in the midst of your will. I want you to show me what your will is and how I can jump in on that. If you approach it like that, he'll blow your socks off blow your socks off. Many of you are put where you're put, given favor where you've been given favor for such a time as this. I hope you can see it. It's his purpose in action, but he wants to use you to accomplish it. And when you see that, your faith will grow, your God will get bigger, and your worship will be enormous because you see God do it. I'm going to ask you to stay in church. Been sitting a long time. Worship team, come on up. I'm going to invite you if you're ministry team or on the altar ministry team, if you'll come and take your spot. Here's the deal, church. God's always at work. He's always at work. He's working right now. While we stand here in just a little bit, we're going to sing and worship. He is setting it up out there. He's setting it up. And he's about to dismiss the church out to his purpose. You're going to miss it if you're looking with your eyes. But if you look with his eyes, you're going to see it. And you're going to see his plan happening. And he's going to actively involve you in the mainstream of what he's doing. Don't miss the opportunity. He knows you can Oh, he wouldn't have set it up. He knows you can. Moses said, who am I to go to Pharaoh? Who am I to go to Pharaoh? Mm. If he says you're the one, no question, you're the one. You're the one. You go. You go. Let me pray for us. Ask God to open your spiritual eyes. 
to see what he's doing and how he wants to involve you. Father, we love you. During this time of invitation, may we say yes to you. God, for many of us in this room, our eyes, and they're clouded. We're not seeing what you want us to see. We're just seeing everything through our eyes. It looks like a, looks like a raw deal. Looks like we're, we're missing out. Looks like it's just not fair. But God, I pray you clean us. Wash our eyes. Clean our eyes. Give us a spiritual heavenly perspective to what you're doing. And actively involve us in your plan to redeem your world, your people to you. God, we love you. As we worship you, open our eyes for us to see what you're doing. And may we say yes to you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the church at Bushland. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on Facebook and Instagram by using the church at Bushland and on Twitter by using at TCA Bushland.